0: Welcome to The Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. It's going to be a little different today. I don't even know if we follow our regular format. I don't, I don't think we, we can. With all that's going on in the world right now and certainly with, uh, with Coach Mike Leach, I'm going to tell you kind of what I knew, what I expect. and We're going to, we're going to also respect Coach's privacy and the privacy of the family. You know, we have not received any final notification just yet. I mean who knows it may happen during the course of the show? I just don't know. But uh, one of the things that I want to do is let's go ahead and get our, let's get our business done first. Okay? We're not going to do a top 10 list today. We're not going to talk basketball. Even though we picked up a couple big wins yesterday, so thumbs up to the men and women's basketball teams. And I'll remind you too, on Wednesday, got the game down in Jackson. Might be a good opportunity for all of us to be together. Right? Perhaps it would be a good chance for us to unite under the maroon and white banner on Wednesday down in Jackson. Of course, all proceeds and ticket sales go to The Bulldog Initiative, so we encourage you to go out there and watch Mississippi State Boy, Jackson State. It's been a tough uh, 36 hours for the Mississippi State fan base. More importantly, Mike Leach's family and friends, coaches, their families, players, their families. You know, we're all feeling it, and it's awful. But, of course, those closest to him are feeling it 10 to 20, 100 times more than we are. So as bad as we all feel... We're going to work through this thing together. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will too. If you don't already, it is a love affair that is very faithful. You know exactly what you're going to get. You can count on Bulldog Burger Company. They are committed to you. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in a Rich and Flowood area, and you never know, there may be a Bulldog Burger Company coming to you. Wouldn't that be great? They expanded the location to you. You just never know. The folks that run with the Eat with us, a group very ambitious. They know how to feed folks. They know how to keep places in business. So you never know. Maybe some expansion in the future. Let's also thank uh, our buddy Blair Chandler, close at Blair.com. You guys know Blair. He's your friend in the mortgage industry. I love Blair. Blair and I have traded some text messages over the last couple days. as We've kind of come to grips with all this stuff. I can tell you the guy loves Mississippi State. Season ticket holder here, season ticket holder here in many sports, many sports, if I can get it all out today, has a place here. A lot of people out there, the dream of home ownership has eluded them. Blair can make that dream a reality. If anybody can get you closed, it's him. Top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back years. 21 years of experience. Give them a call or text today at 601 500 2344. Again, 601 500 2344. Let him know you heard about him on the boneyard. He'll pay for your appraisal. How about that? Let's not forget our friends at Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You will too. A Starkvilleian institution. The greatest selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. Visit them online at campusbookmart.net. Use promo code bsr stands for beautiful steve robertson that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks any order less than 75 dollars absolutely incomplete and finally because i'm going to spend the rest of the time i don't know how long we're going to go today so i'm gonna i'm going to give you all this right now and then we'll just spend some time visiting kind of loving on each other a little bit give brooks bryan our friend brooks a call at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. Brooke's part of a great group of individuals bringing this wonderful residential development. Portico to Starkville. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two under development now. Many of those houses are already sold, but there's still some available for you. Or perhaps you're looking to uh, get a custom built. They can help you with that. You can pick out a lot, pick out a house plan, and get to work. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You turn off 82 on a 12. Very first ride is Patch Station Road. Go through the four-way stop Portico. That's how close you are. Wouldn't it be great if all your friends stop by and saw you on the way to see the Bulldogs play? Make Portico your next move. All right, let me take you through it as best I can. Okay, so Sunday morning, you know, we're We're interviewing visitors. You know, State hosted, uh, I think, nine official visitors over the weekend. We still got some stories to post, and I commend Paul Jones for for getting his stories up. I tell you, I, I've spent so much time, you know, working on this, trying to get you guys information, and also kind of coming to grips with my own grief uh, with all of this. And uh, very appreciative of Paul and his efforts, and uh, the rest of the crew for kind of helping carry the weight here. And of course, the truth of the matter is. Really, all anybody wants to talk about what's going on with Coach Mike Leach. So I got a text yesterday from a donor. that said, hey, there are emergency vehicles at Mike Leach's house. Do you know what's going on? Now, Coach has been sick, but not in a way that I think many people, like the rumors suggested. You know, there were a lot of rumors that Coach is going to resign after the Egg Bowl. I was told, point blank, Mike Leach is not retiring anytime soon. Not the least bit interested in that, had not considered it. But coach had uh, battled pneumonia. And coach has asthma, so it kind of complicates things, and it took him a long time to shake it. Dates all the way back even to, uh, you know, you guys, I guess it was post game Auburn. He barely made it through the press conference. You know, he was coughing so bad. And that was. You know, kind of a byproduct of that, of the fact that, you know, he said he'd had the flu, but in actuality it ended up being pneumonia. There was a big movement, of course, to try to get him to take some time off, coach being the ever the competitor. He thought we could beat Georgia. I talked to him that Monday afternoon after the press conference and just kinda of checked on him. I was like, Coach, how you doing? And he's like, Well, you know, I've had he said I've had this trademark cough for years. You know, he kind of dismissed it a little bit, but I was concerned. I mean, he looked kind of ashen. He was gray. His color wasn't good. You know, all of you that got small town Mississippi mamas, you your color ain't good. You know, that's how it looked. Leach just—he didn't look himself. As I'm sitting there talking to him and Brandon Langlois, those of you that know Brandon, Brandon, of course, uh, head of media relations for Mississippi State, I was trying to lighten the mood a little bit, and I said, "And Brandon had shaved his beard." I said, Coach, I said, uh, and Coach calls Brandon Space Camp. I don't know why he calls. I don't know if Brandon's been to Space Camp. I've been to Space Camp. I think Brandon went to Space Camp, and so Leach calls him Space Camp. I call him Brandon. He's my friend. I said, Coach, I said, "Uh, you've probably noticed that uh, Space Camp has cut his beard. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about Brandon cutting his beard. I said, I know. Every time he does it, I always kind of. Complain about it, you know. I don't like this ever-changing Brandon. I guess, but if you've noticed, ever since he's trimmed his beard up and tried to look a more a little more GQ, have you noticed that he he has this eerie resemblance to the elf that wanted to be a dentist and Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer? And all of a sudden, Leach looks at Brandon. He looks back at me, he looks back at Brandon, and he goes, he does. Space camp, you do. You look like the dentist. The elf that wanted to be a dentist. He goes, of course, that guy knew Rudolph personally, so you don't have that advantage. you know." And it was almost like I had given Coach something else to kind of razz Brandon about. And he got so tickled about it, and he laughed. And, and it was really the first time that I had seen that, uh, that typical twinkle in Mike Leach's eye. He was more like himself, just in that moment. Then there was the East Tennessee State game. Many of you may not have known this. We didn't report on it at the time. But Coach Leach missed the first offensive series against East Tennessee State. He was in the middle of kind of getting some treatment, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the breathing difficulties. And he missed that series. Of course, post-game he was okay. Well, we had our uh, only media opportunity with Coach before the Egg Bowl – we did it upstairs in the SEAL Center. We typically talked the coach on the practice field or just off the practice field after practice. And then on our typical Mondays, of course, you know we're in the stadium. But for this particular press conference, we were in the SEAL complex where we used to be it all the time. It used to be a media room. And uh, now they've done like some photo shoots and things like that in there. And so it, it's kind of a multi-purpose room now. But we set up a press conference in there I don't know if we ever had a better press conference with Mike Leach during the Mississippi State tenure than then. I, I thought he I thought it was the best. I thought it was absolutely the best press conference we had done. And I found out later that one of the reasons he was in such a good mood is that his oldest daughter was there. His oldest daughter had come to Starkville uh, to spend some time with him because Coach had been sick, but also too, you know, it's Thanksgiving. And Coach was in an amazing mood. And he laughed and he joked. And, and I was like, you know, he, he's he's good. He's back. He's back to being Mike Leach. And so after the post the press conference is over, I'm downstairs. Dave Murray and I are talking to Brandon. And Brandon says, I don't know, what, what was it about today? Coach is really good. Maybe we should do every press conference in there. I said, maybe we should. He was outstanding. I, I think that was probably the best press conference we've had. And maybe you guys can dial that up and go look at it. It's on our YouTube channel if you're if you're curious. But I thought then a coach is on the mend. And there were times I was really concerned, you know, at his age and the fact that it had been such a lingering issue and you hear all these rumors out there and you never can just fall in love with your own belief that you've got the whole story. You talk to a lot of people around Leach and they tell you, oh, no, he's going to be fine. You know, he's just stubborn. You know, he's a competitor, won't take any time off. And, of course, he's thinking – Okay, once we get through the golden egg, you know, we've got some time we can rest before we begin ball practices. And I think that was kind of his line of thinking. But he was outstanding. He and I spoke privately during Egg Bowl week about the importance of winning that game. Of course, a lot of people out there, unsourced people, oh, if we lose the ball game, coach is getting fired. There was never any truth to any of that. Never. Wasn't even the discussion. But We won. We won the golden egg, and I can tell you it meant a lot to Coach. And one of the reasons it meant a lot to Coach is because it meant a lot to you. He understood what that trophy meant, and the entire time he's been here, he hadn't had it. He'd never won it. Of course, he inherited it when he got here, but he'd never won it. Dr. Keenum met with Coach Leach during the week leading up to the uh, egg ball and explained to him how important the game was. Michael Leach understood the significance of that game. That was one of the knocks on Coach when he was at Washington State is he couldn't win the Apple Cup. It's like, oh, he just treats it like another game. One thing the Coach and I talk about after East Tennessee State is about how you approach those rivalry games. You don't want to make too big a deal out of it, but you also want to express a level of urgency. For the guys that grew up in Mississippi, they didn't need any of that. They didn't need any additional motivation. I don't think our coaching staff did either. There were many people, of course, throughout the season that said that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin were leaving us behind. Due to winning that game, we finished the year with the same record and we have the trophy. So there was a lot of momentum, a lot of positive momentum for Mississippi State. I can tell you, too, in our conversations, he was very concerned about the portal. I won't say that Mike Leach was anti-transfer portal because the portal's also been very good to Mississippi State. But I can tell you Coach was a little bit concerned about the direction of things kind of pairing NIL and the portal together. He was concerned about that. And there were times I wondered, I said, you know what? I wonder if this stuff will, uh, will push Coach closer to retirement. You know, maybe this is not an environment in which he wants to compete in. Maybe he leaves and goes to coach high school football. Maybe he goes in Key West High School or whatever, you know. I know Coach loves the game. Coach loves teaching the game. Coach loves innovation. Coach loves game planning. But I think this NIL paired with the transfer portal, it was a real irritant for Coach. And I wondered, would this be the thing that ultimately made Michael Leach decide, you know what, it's time to hang him up? I don't like this new world of college athletics. He never said that, but sometimes I wondered. So getting back to yesterday, I get the call about um, you know the emergency vehicles being at Coach's house. I made a few phone calls, and most everybody dismissed it as something that wasn't life-threatening. They said, you know, Coach is still battling this pneumonia thing. There are times he has to go get treatment for that. He gets shortness of breath, gets fatigue. And I don't know if people were just in denial or they were looking at this and saying, you know what, this is you know, this is just it's just okay. Coaches probably pushed it too far. And so I accepted, you know, their take on it. I said, Well, okay, doesn't appear to be life threatening. I went and talked to Paul Jones. I said, Hey, you know, this is what's going on, and everybody seems to believe that, you know, it's okay. You know, doesn't appear to be too serious. By the time I got home, I had about a half dozen phone calls from people. Explaining to me the emergent need for prayer for Coach Leach. I understand that uh, he had to, you know, had to conduct CPR on him and some other advanced medical procedures. Got him to OCH and got him stabilized and eventually got him in the air. And there was some concern about that. You know, some it's, it's a silly to things that we argue about, right? Some people are like, "Oh, he wasn't airlifted." Yes, he was. No, he wasn't. Does it matter? Anytime you get transferred to a bigger hospital, it's usually not because you're doing well. They finally got Coach in the air. And I understand that the, the, the crew on that helicopter was absolutely amazing. Now, I haven't been able to confirm this, but I'm told that there was actually a cardiologist from UMMC, he was actually in Starkville at Oktibaha County Hospital as this thing began to unfold. So immediately, he had somebody that specialized in his ailment with him right away. I don't know what difference that makes now, but I can tell you, based on what I've heard, he has received the absolute best care possible. Absolutely the best care possible. And just so happened, there happened to be somebody there, according to what I was told, that was maybe advanced in their medical knowledge of his particular ailment. It's been reported now. A coach had a very, very serious heart attack. And I understand that he coded for an extremely long time. And the concern then becomes oxygen deprivation. You simply never know how somebody's going to react or recover from that. They, they did, but again, they did get him stabilized enough to fly to Jackson he gets to Jackson and it hadn't really been a good situation and that's got nothing to do with the doctors and nurses and physicians and medical professionals down there it just goes to kind of show you how serious the condition is and sometimes our best efforts just aren't enough sometimes there's only so much you can do There were some reports late last night. I started getting, I probably got 70 to 80 text messages or messages from some of you all saying, oh, you heard that Mike Leach passed away and heard it from somebody that works at UMMC. And the question that I ask, and this will sound maybe a little bit disrespectful, and that's okay. If you believe you got a good source, why do you need me to confirm it? I had some people wanting to argue with me. I said, I understand Coach's dad. And I said, well, that's not the information that I have. I've spoken to, you know, sources very close to the family. And, you know, up to 15, 20 minutes ago, Coach was fine and was stable and was expected to make it through the night. Well, I've got a friend that works at UMMC. Okay, great. Why are you messing me? If you believe the information that you're given, why do you need independent cooperation? Oh, Steve, I think you're wrong. Okay, cool. I'll let you rest on your wrongness. But I understand in times like these, people want to get, you know, people like myself, closely connected to the program. They figure if anybody knows, it's probably Steve. That's not always the case. But in this situation, it wasn't true. So I'm going to encourage you, all those people that texted you, to say they passed away, text them back, tell me they're wrong. A lot of discussion last night about the first couple of hours once he got on the ground in Jackson are going to be extremely important. You know, that's what they do. They do all these tests. They do push meds and all that kind of stuff. They do their best to stabilize and improve the situation. Last report that I got is that it's going to be difficult for Coach to make it through the night. And then late, I was told, he is stable and expected to make it through the night. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Catherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way that they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20 minute video explaining step by step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do, I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to BadLandsFood.com forward slash Boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's BadLandsFood.com forward slash Boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. See what tomorrow holds. The concern, of course, is quality of life, right? A lot of people say, I just want him to live. I want him to live too. But I don't really want him to live in a situation where he can't enjoy life. And a coach would not want to be a burden to his family. I know this, nor would any of us. Last report that I got was um, late last night that his son and oldest daughter were there. His youngest two daughters were en route, expected to be there this morning. I understand they are there. The family was going to spend some time with Coach and make some very difficult decisions. You can kind of read between the lines and every bit of that. The last report that I got is that uh, they had transitioned to comfort care methods. Rather than life-saving methods, just trying to make him comfortable now. I can't believe we're sitting here having this conversation. It absolutely blows my mind. I absolutely cannot believe we're having this conversation. It just feels so surreal. And the more that I think about it, the more I talk about it. You think it, you, you know, the more you talk about it, you you begin to heal a little bit yourself and come to grips with the reality situation. But the more times I talk to you guys and talk to national media people and talk to Mississippi State administrators, I just want to say, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a very life-threatening situation involving our head coach. And here's the thing, too. It's not just our head coach. He's Mike Leach. He's a national treasure. There are a couple of things that I want to say, too. I know I've know i had a handful of people that have reached out to me, including a couple of friends of mine, that said, you know what, Steve? I feel so guilty about some of the things that I said and the way that I was critical of coach, there are two things I want to say about that. Number one, okay, let's maybe learn a lesson there. Number two, I can tell you Mike Leach didn't care. Mike Leach understood that went with the territory. He understood he's always going to have his fair share of critics. Mike Leach's life in no way was diminished by your negative comments on social media. Mine might have been. (laughs) I didn't really care for him. But Mike Leach didn't check that kind of stuff out. He didn't care. Mike Leach, 61 years of age. He's no pro. He's not going to let some unknown stranger on Twitter hurt his feelings. So if you're carrying that with you, I think I can say safely that you don't need to anymore. And again, maybe learn a lesson here. And I think we all should. There's a message that I saw on our Facebook page, our message board. Basically saying, you know what? I've learned from all of this, and I'm going to be a little bit kinder and gentler when it comes to social media and message boards. And I responded. I said, you know what? I agree. We all need to do a little evaluation here. We all do, including myself, on how we handle each other. We talk all the time about how we all want the same things, and we do. We want Mississippi State to win. We may not always agree on how to get there, but we do share the same goals. And sometimes, there's friction. Oh, you're accepting mediocrity. Oh, you're always negative. You know, there, there hardly ever seems to be any middle ground. But we are facing a very unprecedented situation at Mississippi State. As a sitting football coach, It's not expected to recover. Let that sink in for a second. All the discussions and arguments we had just last week we talked about the Dylan Johnson thing. We talked about the Woody Marks thing. We talked about Xavier and Thomas, and people are blaming Coach, for kids getting in the portal, even though every situation is a little bit different. I suspect everybody involved in that feels a little differently today about how things played out last week. It's amazing what just taking a deep breath and not hitting sin can do to a person, right? And we've had some players in the past that it's like their Twitter feed is like this streaming consciousness, like anything that comes to mind goes on Twitter. And we get all wound up in that, right? What are they talking about? What's going on? We take all that stuff personal. And this kind of stuff happens here, puts things in perspective, and you begin to realize, you know what, that stuff really wasn't that important. Why did I let that take on such an importance in my life? You know, I say I felt so guilty this morning, you know, for basically the last month, I've laid around feeling sorry for myself. That my wife isn't here. That she's across the country working. And she's coming back. I mean, it's it's a temporary situation. And I was laying there this morning, and I was thinking, man, I sure wish I wish Dana was here. I just wish, this is so difficult to deal with, and I'm having to kind of deal with it by myself. I just wish she was here to hug me and tell me everything's going to be okay. Even though deep down I know things are not going to be okay right now. Not when it comes to this. And then I thought, you know what? Just imagine how Sharon Leach feels this morning with her children coming to Jackson to likely say their final goodbyes to their father. And I'm sitting around here feeling sorry for myself, knowing my wife's going to be back in two months. And I'm going to see her soon. It's one of those things you look at. I can pick up the phone. I can FaceTime her. I can talk to her on the phone. I can text her and tell her how much I love her. Sharon Leach will never get that opportunity again. And you and I both know she would do absolutely anything just to hear his voice one more time. I went to Subway today (laughs) to get some lunch. And I got a text right before I got out of the car. So I addressed that. I posted an update. And my kids were wanting to know what's going on with Coach. We all love Coach. My family, your family. I'll share with you what I shared with them. It's just a matter of time now. they basically transitioned to comfort measures for Coach. He has little to no brain activity. His family will kiss him one final time. And then they will let him go. Of course, their response is, I'm devastated. I'm so sad. I can't believe this is happening. It's all so unfair. My daughter says it's generally insane how quickly someone can just die. I said it's a reminder to those that it's a reminder to tell those you love how much you love them and forgive, forgive, forgive. You never know when you lose a chance to make amends so let's choose to live in love i share a quick story with you too my wife and i were discussing this earlier and, and my wife has the worst memory of anybody that i know um when my wife was working our lady of the lake years ago it was a lady that she worked with and uh, she loved her to death and they had gone to the state fair out on airline highway out near prairieville and her and her husband got into an argument and it got pretty heated. Don't know what it was about. I'm sure it was something stupid. That's usually how these arguments are, right? We get our feelings hurt. Somebody doesn't answer our question in the right way or whatever, and we get in our feelings. But anyway, they got into an argument. And the husband decided just to kind of walk away, to cool off a little bit. And as he walked across the on highway, he got hit and killed. And that poor lady has to live with that the rest of her life that the last conversation she had with the person she loved the most was in anger that's not to say that we're immune from the human condition but can you imagine living with that that you get into such an argument that your significant other just has to get away from you and in the middle of them cooling down they get hit by a car and killed and she mentioned that to my wife I remember after it all happened, she missed a few days of work. She came back, and, and she explained the story to my wife, and she said, I, and I have to live with that. It's a reminder, again, you don't always get the guarantee that you have a chance to say, I'm sorry. You don't. And again, so much of the things that we argue about are just so completely insignificant. You know how it is when you're in a relationship. You know, you get upset you know, somebody didn't, somebody left their dirty towel on the bathroom floor. Those are the kinds of things, you know, it's like they lead to these big arguments. They, they mean nothing. And sometimes we let mountains become molehills. I'll give you a good example of that. I used to have this bitter resentment against my wife when it came to her doing laundry. We lived in Baton Rouge. And uh, my office was just off the kitchen. And she would go every single time and get the laundry, and leave the light in the laundry room on. And it drove me crazy. It absolutely drove me crazy. So for years, she'd leave, and I would, just, I would very passive aggressively after she left the room. I'd get up, I'd walk in there, and I'd turn the light out in the laundry room. Not only was it an irritant, it cost me a little bit of money. I mean, how much money did it cost me? You know, but again, I, I just kind of resented all of that quietly. And one day, I finally said something. One day. I said, why is it so difficult for you to turn the laundry room light off when you leave? She goes, oh, I just never think about it. That's what doesn't make any sense. When you're on the way out, just turn it off, like I'm her dad or something. And she said, well, baby, the light switch is on the other side. And so usually when I'm walking out of there, I got my hands full and I got a basket full of clothes. And I just don't think to go back and do it. And all of a sudden, I felt like the biggest idiot in the world. Like I had just kind of quietly seethed for years and let that thing build up, not even recognizing the fact that there was a reasonable explanation. But because we communicated our way through it, as soon as she said it, I felt like such an idiot. That's what makes perfect sense. And one of the things you got to ask yourself, is it really that big a deal to get up and go turn, walk 20 feet and go turn a light out? Is it really that if it mattered so much to me to be resentful over it, why did it matter enough to me to just go fix it? And you know what's so funny is after she explained it to me, all of a sudden I felt like I was doing her a solid. It's like, you know what? Hey, I got the light, babe. And then I didn't even tell her about it. I would just go do it. I would just get up and go do it. And the question becomes, why, why didn't you do it in the first place, Steve? Why not just go quietly, get up and go do it? If it bothers you, why do you have to make it an issue about her? And so I don't want to chase that rabbit trail very long, but I think it's important to understand how fragile life is. And again, we are never, ever, 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 given any guarantees about end of life. And all this has kind of made me consider my own mortality, as it should any of us. You know, I'm confident at some point, Mike Leach probably imagined that maybe he would have some lengthy illness or whatever, and he'd have plenty of time to say his goodbyes and to text all of his friends and and all of his coaching companions and and maybe take his kids down to Key West and to spend some time together and then eventually the moment would come. But that's not what life afforded him. He did not get the opportunity to make those comments out of nowhere he gets up on Sunday morning and that's the end of it that's the end of it and so I think the lesson learned here you know for all of us that are kind of observing all this you know with Mike Leach is that let's ensure that we I turn that down because you can imagine all the notifications are coming in um that we consider the fact that maybe we have some amends to make. Maybe we have some forgiveness to offer. And all of us, I know, have some love to share. And so my challenge to you today is the people that you love the most, tell them. And I don't mean just to the send the typical, hey, I love you. You know, one of the things that um, I've done a lot of self-evaluation here over the last couple of months because it gets you, know, you know how it is. It's, I love you, I love you too. And it, you say it and you mean it, but it almost becomes cliche, right? I mean, it almost becomes like, it's just kind of what you do, kind of like two ships passing in then a night, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to share with you a message too. Um, last night before... Uh, I was in my feelings, I admit it. My wife and I talked several times yesterday. She was off, and um, we talked several times. We FaceTimed, and uh, I had a very difficult time yesterday. Now, the difficulties that I'm facing are nothing compared to what the Leach family is, so I'm in no way trying to make this about me. But to know Mike Leach is to love Mike Leach. And so I was in reporter mode most of the day, trying to get you guys facts, and all of a sudden it was like the reality of the situation hit me, and so I called her because she would worked the night before. She was sleeping. I called her and I woke her up. And I just lost it. I couldn't believe what we're dealing with here. I cried my eyes out. I told her how much I loved her. I said, if anything happens to me today, I don't want you to leave this life knowing one have any questions about how I feel about you. And the last thing I sent her last night, and again, this has all made me consider my own mortality. I'm not going to sit here and tell you maybe you're not you're not the wordsmith I am. And sometimes that's a negative, especially with my wife, because she's kind of seen it all and read it all and done it all. You know what I'm saying? Well, you're a writer. Of course, you're going to set things nicer and more flowery than everybody else. But I texted her this last night. Last thing I sent her. I said, I love you more than life itself. I would lay down my life willingly so that you could live. I wouldn't even have to think about it. You're everything to me. Good night. And so I share that with you and maybe in hopes of inspiring you to open your heart and share it openly with the ones you love the most. I've made some posts in recent uh, weeks you know, about my wife and how much I love her. And I guess in some ways, I guess I'm whipped. I'll just admit it. I'm happily whipped. I am. And I had this guy that messaged me. And I won't, I won't get into too much detail because you may know him. And I don't want to out him anonymously. But he shared this story with me. And uh, he goes, I've been reading your post. You know, you've written these poems about your wife. And and um, it's amazing, too. I've, I've considered so much of this Maybe maybe I'm going through a midlife crisis. I don't know, but um, thinking about you know what would happen to my family if I wasn't here, because you know your good friend and host has run the dogs wide open for a long long time, and I'm sure in some respects it's probably shortened my life. And so I've, I've always considered it: what would happen to my family if I wasn't here? And so I shared that. You know, it's like one of the things you know, now that we're going to be empty nesters, you know, I want us to be able to travel. I want her to go to ball games with me. I want to go, go to her races. I want to be at the finish line when she's running those races. I want to be the guy there at the beginning and take the pre race selfie. All that stuff matters to me. I used to do that stuff all the time, but I got so busy building the bank account and the brand, I kind of forgot what mattered most to me. And so I'm back, right? But I had this gentleman that messaged me. He said, I've seen these posts. He goes, and I want you to know you've kind of inspired me to do some things. He goes, my wife and I have been having a difficult time. We've talked about divorce. And he goes, I know you, you write poetry. And he goes, I've read some of your stuff. I wish that I could write like you. And he goes, that I've written a, a poem to my wife. And he goes, I, do, I never write this kind of stuff. But would you look over it for me? Would you edit it for me? Would you help me a little bit? And I looked over it. And maybe the syntax wasn't perfect, but the sentiment was beautiful. And so I messaged him back, and I'm like, hey, I'm not going to touch this. It it might flow a little better, but your wife is going to know your language, and your wife needs to hear your words, not mine. I think it's beautiful just as it is. Go give it to her. Send it to her. Whatever you got to do, print it out, frame it, give it to her as a gift. Whatever you got to do. We get so caught up in the minutia of life, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just speaking to myself here. But we get so caught up in the minutia of life and all the little things that don't matter, it is easy to lose sight of what really does. You know, I've been married, if I make it to May... Dan and I will be married 30 years. It's a nice round number. We've been together over 30 years now. But there have been so many times that I think about, you know, the times that I've been gone and how many times I didn't do this and didn't do that, you know, and maybe she complained and sometimes she didn't. But I think in light of what we have seen happen with Coach Mike Leach, I think it would be a tremendous tribute to Mike Leach if all of us begin to kind of reevaluate ourselves a little bit and say, you know what? I don't want to be that guy or gal that passes away without ever letting people know how much I love them. It's like the great Garth Brooks song. The very first time I heard that song, I put it back on repeat, and I cried the second time through because I, I was so moved by that. If tomorrow never comes, will she know how much I love her? You know, those are the things. I think that's the way we live our lives. I think that's how it should be. Is what can I do today to ensure the people that I love the most know how much I love them. And a lot of times love is shown in a lot of different ways, right? I mean, sometimes we work as hard as we do because we want to provide a better life for our children. We work as hard as we do because we want to make sure that we can maybe spoil our significant others, we don't do it for us. I told you just the other day. I was when I was out in New Mexico. I, I told Dana, I said, I don't even know if I'm going to put the Christmas tree up this year. Well, I was afraid you were going to say that. I said, Well, you're not, you're not going to be there, and I'm not going to do it as well as you. And you know, she's like, Hey, you know, it's Ian's last Christmas at home. I really wish you would. And then knowing what it meant to her and knowing what it would mean to him, I said, You know what? I can deal with the inconvenience of having all this Christmas stuff. Because there's going to come a time in my life when I would do almost anything to be able to put up a Christmas tree for my kid. Mm -hmm. And so I did it. I put the tree up. I put the Christmas village together. I got all this stuff out of there. I didn't do it nearly as good as Dana will. And so I sent her some pictures, and she goes, oh, my gosh, thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. And you begin to think about lasting memories in life. And I thought about that too. He'll remember that his last Christmas was at home. And his mom was in New Mexico, and his dad still set up all the Christmas stuff just for him. Because I'm not doing that for me. Not that I don't enjoy Christmas, not that I don't enjoy Christmas decorations. I mean, I don't need a lot of help getting into the Christmas spirit. But you do it for the people you love. It's a selfless thing. So you think about all the other things you do and all the BS you put up with and all the nonsense that you have to endure and it makes it a lot easier to to put up with all that stuff because you know at the end of the day the people you love the most benefit from it. Because if it was just us, you know, the world would probably descend into a glorified version of the Lord of the Flies, right? Because just left up to ourselves, we're like, I don't really care, you know. I don't really care. You know, love and family breeds ambition. At least it does for me. You know, I grew up as broke as the Ten Commandments. We had nothing, man. We had absolutely nothing. Live with my grandparents. My grandfather was a a minister and a carpenter. It was a big deal if we ever got to do anything. I think the biggest thing we did all year is we used to get tickets to go to the Dixie National Rodeo. It was the biggest event of the year in our family. It was huge. Got to get in that car, drive to Jackson with all my aunts and uncles. Big deal. Got to see Kenny Rogers, Charlene Tilton, Oak Ridge Boys, Stadler Brothers, Dolly Parton. Got a chance to see all that. I wouldn't choose that today, but I'm glad I had it as a kid. And I, I know now that I've been an adult as long as I have, I know what that sacrifice meant to my grandparents to be able to give that to us once a year. And we didn't take vacations. You know, our, our idea of going on vacations, we'd pitch a tent down at Holiday Creek and spend a weekend. And sometimes that was better than, than Disney World anyway, Right. But all that kind of changed me, right? It was one of those things where I got so out of shape, and um, I said, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm, I lived on discount rack shoes as a kid. I said, my kids are never going to feel that way. My kids are never going to be ashamed of the fact that they got discount rack shoes on. It stayed with me. It's the pathology of my life. That's maybe why my wife calls me Imelda America. Uh, well, <clears throat> excuse me, um, if I can get it right. Uh, Amer- uh, anyway, de Marcos. Remember her shallow shoes? You know, I got like 13, 14 pair of Chuck Taylors, you know. I, I can't explain it, but I suspect all that goes back to the fact that uh, when I was a kid, we got shoes once a year. Whether you grew out of them or not, those were your shoes for a year. And so I've kind of gotten off the beaten path a little bit here, but I think the pathology of all this is love. You want your family to do better than you did. You want your children to have more than you had. And more sometimes isn't necessarily monetary things. Sometimes it's not clothes or toys or gaming systems. Sometimes it's just the quality of life. Mike Leach once told me that, um, you know, he went to Pepperdine, got his law degree. And uh, Sharon and his wife thought, okay, well, He's going to be an attorney. You know how, how great is this? And he ends up taking a job uh, coaching college football for like 3000 bucks a year. Not a month, a year. There were times they'd uh, eat in the cafeteria, save money. You talk about a bait and switch. And Coach Leach just told me before, he said, that's one of the reasons that I've worked as hard as I have, because she stood by me when I made that decision. He said, she supported me. It was my dream to be a college football coach. And rather than go right to work in a law practice after getting his law degree, he wouldn't coach football for peanuts. And she stayed with him. And certainly it paid off well for her in the end. But can you imagine the amount of love she had to have To agree to that and the faith she had to have in her husband to think, you know what, hey, this is going to be okay. And ultimately it was. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I can tell you how proud Coach is of his kids. He didn't speak of them publicly very often. We had discussions at times privately. He'd talk about how proud he was of his kids and how important it was for them to to be handled and taken care of and be well-educated. Coach was born in Cody, Wyoming, a place not too dissimilar from small-town Mississippi. Same value system. Born in a very modest family. Loved sports. By his own admission, he wasn't great at them, but he loved them. Wasn't a great player. Learned to be a great coach very intelligent guy obviously coached a middle school baseball team when he was in high school wrote about that in swing your sword but when i look back at mike leach's career and i think you know when when coach got here i remember the picture of john cohen and jared banco and mike leach down in key west and the smile on his face and every one of us was like holy smokes John just hired Mike Leach. Are you kidding me? Mike Leach is our coach, and they tweeted out the uh, you know the Pirates of the Caribbean thing, and how amazing that was. We're like, holy smokes, Mike Leach! Everybody in the SEC has always wondered and surmised and said, you know what, hey, I wonder if the air raid will work in the SEC, and we're the ones that got to do it. And you remember that LSU ball game when K.J. Costello, even though K.J. had four turnovers in the game, we absolutely destroyed LSU. The defending national champions in Baton Rouge. And there's, hey, looking for a bandwagon, get in, right? It didn't age well. But at that moment, we began to realize maybe we got our arms around something special. But the fact that John went out and hired Mike Leach is one of the most non-Mississippi State things we've ever done. Hiring guys like Joe Moorhead is more of like what we usually do. We go hire the up and coming coordinator and kind of hope for the best. It worked out with Dan Mullen, and not so much with many others. But we went and got a sitting Power Five head coach, and not just any coach, we got a national treasure that is Mike Leach. And I'm so incredibly grateful. We got three years. I was hoping we'd get 10. I was eager to see what coach could do next year with that great schedule in a veteran offense. But I was talking with the donor earlier, and we were just trying to make sense of it all. And I'm reminded of what David Turner told me after uh, Big and little Keith Joseph died. Keith and Marshawn. I was so despondent then, I remember David Turner said, Steve, God makes no mistakes. It's a part of me that wants to second guess that, but I know that in my heart, God makes no mistakes. This happened the way that it was supposed to happen, even though we haven't been able to make sense of it. God makes no mistakes. And so as I began to think about Mike Leach and what should have been and maybe could have been, I'm very honored to know that Mike Leach was our football coach for three seasons and that we were his final stop because I don't know if there is another fan base that will love on the Leach family and appreciate his legacy better than we will. Mississippians have a real quiet dignity about them. We do. We do. They don't call us a hospitality state for nothing. And while we may disagree and bicker and everything else, but in times of a crisis, there is nobody I would rather have in my corner than a band full of Mississippians. Because we know what it's like to come together. We can put our differences aside and focus on a common goal, especially in times of tragedy, because we know when to keep our mouth shut too, right? It's one thing when we're angry or whatever, but when something like this happens, we kind of know how to use some tact. And there are a few people out there on social media that are absolutely blooming idiots, and I'll tell you, one of these days, you guys are going to log on the Twitter, and I am just going to absolutely lose my religion on some of these people on Twitter and Facebook. I, I am. I, mean, I, I can feel it coming. I try to be a diplomat about things, but I am very, very close to just saying, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to say what I really think. Very close. Very, very close. So, like yesterday, people wanted to argue about, you know, Mike Leach is in a hospital fighting for his life, and we want to argue about the transfer portal. We had people already wanting to begin launch a coaching search, and Mike Leach situation still very much unsettled. Got people tweeting at me. I wrote the story yesterday. My friend, the pirate, if you hadn't read it, I encourage you to do so. I'm very proud of it. Matter of fact, I've had some people message me and say, I think it's the best thing I've written in my career. I don't know if that's the case. I have written a few books, you know. But I know that my heart was in every word. And I love Mike Leach. Mike Leach has been amazing to me. I told my wife last night, I said, you know, I really like Jackie Sherrill. I wasn't here every day on the beat when Coach was here, but Jackie's been great to me. I owe a lot to Jackie Sherrill. I do. Jackie's been very gracious with me. He's agreed to interview several times. Matter of fact, after they settled a lawsuit with NCAA, Jackie and Peggy called me because Jackie wanted me to get the story first. He didn't owe that to me, but he gave that to me. But I love Coach Sherrill. I love Coach Croom. Coach Croom was the guy, every time that I was around, was very gracious to me, answered all my questions. He'd get me in the golf cart and ride me around. Want to know what I was hearing about recruiting. want to know who Ole Miss was going to get and who they were targeting, that kind of stuff. You know, it was a good relationship. Had a good relationship with Dan Mullen. It's not like we went and watched Motley Crue together, went fishing or anything. But Dan was good to me little bit difficult at times right Dan's a little prickly right but I had a good relationship with Dan probably had a better relationship with Joe you know it's funny about Joe when um I guess it was stark villains I think that's correct yes Stark villains is uh, Joe had helped me on something. I can't even remember what it was. It was something I was researching, and Joe had the answer, and he gave it to me. And I said, Coach, if I can ever help you, let me know. He goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, how about I get the first signed copy of your new book? So when I got the advanced copies of Stark Villains, the very first trip that I made was to the SEAL Complex. And I text Joe. I said, hey, are you here? He goes, yeah, you come back. And I walk in there with the signed copy of the book. And he gets up from behind his desk, and he comes around. You know, he's a big giant of a man, and he hugs me. He goes, you're my guy. I said, well, Coach, you helped me on something and you asked me. I asked, he said, hey, how about a signed copy of your book? He said, well, I was only joking. I said, I wasn't. He goes, you know, I got a book on that bookshelf I never read. I'll read this one. And he did. And then we hired Mike Leach. And I'll be honest with you, in many respects, I think, and I've lost some objectivity when it comes to Mike Leach. Maybe I'll get caught up in the cult of personality a little bit. And maybe I'm just enamored by the persona of Mike Leach. But Mike Leach, if there was ever a coach that's been at Mississippi State that maybe was a little bit entitled to hi-hat people, maybe keep people at arm's length, it's Mike Leach. But he never did that. In fact, I would submit to you, of all the coaches that we've had in my lifetime, with maybe the exception of Rocky Felker, Mike Leach is probably the most down-to-earth. I said on Bo Bowen's show this morning, Mike Leach treated everybody with dignity and respect. There'd be times that we'd be out somewhere and somebody would walk along and say, Hey, it's Coach Leach. At no point did he ever make those people feel lesser than. It didn't matter if you were a million dollar donor or somebody that bought a Walmart t shirt that said Mississippi State on the front that was unlicensed. He treated everybody the same. He shook their hands, he laughed, he told jokes he made him feel valued to him and as i wrote in the article last night the very first time i interviewed him he spent the first half hour interviewing me he had a lot of questions you know i think he kind of wanted to know who he was dealing with he told me he had was familiar with my work and i guess maybe he wanted to kind of try me on for size and see uh see what i was all about but uh from the very beginning, the very first interview, I mean, I was a little bit starstruck, and that did not happen to me, you know. I mean, I'm the guy that broke Cam Newton's commitment to Auburn when everybody else told, told you he wasn't going out there. You know, I mean, it's like I've been around rock stars and I've been around star athletes, and I don't get starstruck very often, but talking to Mike Leach the first time, I was a little bit tongue-twisted. It's Mike Leach, and he was going to be our coach. I had a one-on-one interview with him. And I went through and I interviewed all these great characters that were in Swing Your Sword during the quarantine. There was one particular individual that Mike Leach coached on a baseball team. I interviewed him, tracked him down on Facebook, wrote a story about him. And then about a week later, the gentleman texted me and said, Mm -hmm. Hey, Mike Leach called me. I hadn't talked to him in a while. And he said, Mike Leach called me and sent me your story to make sure I had seen it. And of course, he had. And he goes, hey, thanks for writing the story. It's a great memory, but it also gave me a a chance to catch up with Mike. And I thought how thoughtful it was for Mike Leach to make sure the young guy, well, not a young guy anymore, but to make sure that he received the story. When I was out in New Mexico, coach called me, kind of talking about some of the portal stuff and how disappointed he was at the portal and what I was hearing about the bowl game and where we might go. And I told him, I said, you know, coach, there's a lot of discussions either going to be the Gator against North Carolina or the Reliant Quest Bowl against Illinois. He goes, I think I would rather go to Tampa. He said, I like Brett a lot. I would love to be able to coach against Brett. He said, Brett's a lot of fun. He said, that would be a fun ball game. And ultimately, that's what it ended up being. And so he was inviting me to come by. He goes, hey, why don't you swing by the office? couple days. I said, coach, I'm not going to be back for about a week. I'm out here with my wife in New Mexico. He goes, oh, where are you? So I'm in Albuquerque. And so he starts running through all this stuff that he knows about Albuquerque. And he goes, hey, Steve, as hard as you work, man, I'm glad you're getting some downtime. He said, listen, don't work too much while you're out there. He goes, enjoy your wife. He goes, matter of fact, let me talk to her. He goes, I want to tell her what a great guy she has. So I put it on speaker and Handed her the phone and listen to Mike Leach, our football coach, sing my praises to my wife. It's a conversation that I'll always cherish. Then he's going through all these great places we have to eat. He's, oh, the food in Albuquerque is outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Because you got to go here. you got to go there. You need to eat here. Make sure you try this. Maybe you guys, when you get some time, ride down to Roswell and go see the, the alien exhibits and all this other stuff. You know, just... He didn't owe any of that to us, but he's like, you need to go do all these things. And we haven't done them all yet. Maybe I'll do some when I go back out there in a few weeks. But it was amazing to me. Mike sometimes was at his best when he wasn't talking about football, when he was just being a dude. And then Saturday I get up, and I included this in the article. I get up Saturday morning, my dogs are ready to go out. Sometimes that's my alarm clock is my dogs letting me know, hey, we, hey, dude, get up, we got to go. And so I grabbed my phone because I always check Twitter to see what maybe I missed in the overnight. Had a notification that I had a text from Mike. And it was a link to six hotels in Albuquerque you have to stay in. Now, of course, when I go out there, I stay with my wife. But I thought, you know, what about a romantic night? Maybe I just go get one of these rooms. And it struck me. I said, look at the time on this, 3.26 in the morning. And there's Mike Leach thinking about us thinking about what he could do to help us have a better time the next time we were together in Albuquerque. It says a lot about him as a person. Many of you know him as the coach and as a guy that talks about Halloween candy and post-game on the sidelines and things like that and gives marital advice. But the Mike Leach that I knew was so much more than a football coach. He was a good person. He was a genuine person, cared about other people. He made sure that you knew that you were his friend. And it struck me yesterday as I had this cheerful conversation with my wife and I said, you know how crazy it is? You know how nuts this is? It's just yesterday at 3.26 in the morning, Mike Leach was thinking about me and you and about something that he could recommend for us to have a better time together when I go out there. I mean, how many people think that way? I, mean, I just think to myself, how thoughtful is that? He's never met my wife. Mm-hmm. But because she is important to me, she was important to him. And he told her, too, when they spoke, he goes, hey, Albuquerque is a crime-ridden city, so be sure to avoid this and stay out of this and keep your head on a swivel and blah, blah, blah. And the next time that I talked to him, um, I guess it was shortly after I got back, and he goes, hey, you be be sure and take care of that girl of yours. I guess, coach, I I promise you I will. And he goes, well, and he wanted to know what all did you get to do while you were out there and where all did you go? And I was like, oh, yeah, I did this and did that. He goes, oh, that's outstanding. And Coach is a huge breaking bad fan. Huge breaking bad fan. The very first time he saw me, I wore that pork pie hat all the time. And he told me, I knew you were a breaking bad guy from the beginning. And so when I was out there, I went to the doghouse, which is a little uh, a scene a, a a local, kind of like a better version of Sonic. And I go up there and it's you know not too far from where my, my wife's rental property is out there, and I'd go get um I'd go get a chili cheese dog and some onion rings. And so I sent Coach a picture, and he just sends it back, wow, how was it? And he was so impressed that I was able to go do all that. And then I've been out there with my wife and taken all the, the, the tours and seen all the Breaking Bad stuff. And he used to tell me Breaking Bad was the best ending for a show that he'd ever seen. said so it was outstanding. We talked about the arc of that story, about how the beginning of Breaking Bad, Walter White is this mild-mannered school teacher and Jesse Pinkman is this delinquent – and over the arc of that story, things begin to change. Walter White becomes this evil criminal mastermind, and Jesse Pinkman ends up being this, kind of the sympathetic protagonist. We talked about how amazing the writing is on that show. And it's incredible how much stuff Mike watched. He would always say, hey, what are you watching these days? Or have you seen anything really good lately? I'm always looking for this, always looking for that. Because Coach was a night owl like me. I shared an article, too, there. Sometimes Mike would call it night. He'd want to know what's going on, you know, what are people saying about this and what do we think about that or what's going on with this kid or that kid or whatever. And you never knew where it was going to go. You know, he'd talk about that for a while, and all of a sudden he would hear something or you know, something to be on TV, and, and he would change direction. And he'd be like, hey, have you ever read this book? Have you ever seen this thing? And that's the joy of talking to Mike Leach because he knew so much about everything. I had a chance to talk to him, too, about Texas A&M. Because when he was in tech, they gave a all sorts of trouble. And I said, there was one game in particular that they absolutely destroyed Texas A&M, and ironically, Eric George, who was your CFO of the athletic department, was on the team. And I said, Coach, what was it about that game? Why did you guys dominate AM the way you did? And he goes, you know what's funny about that, Steve? He said, they had this thing, I can't remember what he called it, where the students camp out before a ball game. I think it's, it's not Raider Nation, but it's something like that. And all the students – camped out before the AM game and so when AM got there rather than walk through the students they elected to park on the other side of the stadium and walked a long way around to avoid the students and Mike said when that happened he said they're not ready to play he goes I knew at that moment they weren't ready to play he said because if it had been us we'd have danced through the students we'd have walked right through there and just shown how tough we were he goes, I thought it showed a lack of mental toughness that if they couldn't even walk through our students, how were they going to handle our football team? And lo and behold, Texas Tech blew A&M out that day. He was really big on mental toughness. Toughness was a big thing with him, absolute toughness. Not just physical toughness, but mental toughness. We talked about the Egg Bowl. And he goes, you know, at the end of the day, he said, Oh, Miss is a tough team. He said, but we were tougher longer. And that's why we won the game. He said, they're a tough team. We were just a little bit tougher. And that's why we have the golden egg. And so when you hear these things about you know, people not being tough or whatever, I think a lot of that boils down to Mike Leach's interpretation does not encompass just physical toughness. There is a mental component to all of this that I think matters more to him. And maybe that's because he didn't play college football, right? That may be a big part of it is you got to be tougher than the other guy. Football is a war of attrition. It's about mental warfare. It's not just about physical skill. It's who's going to blink first. And how many times in the battle for the golden egg did we show a little lack of mental toughness and then bounce back with some real fortitude, especially on defense, because we weren't getting it done offensively. And so I think about all that with Mike right now. And again, the reports that I'm getting out of Jackson are not good. They're not good at all. Matter of fact, it's really bad. I began to think many times back to the infancy of the Mike Leach era at Mississippi State. I had so many people that said, Steve, you're the luckiest guy in college sports. You get to cover Mike Leach every day. I didn't understand what an honor and privilege that that truly was going to be until he got here and I got to know him. I believe that everybody around him is better because he lived. I've talked to several staffers, spoke to Dave Emrick, spoke to several former Dan Mullen assistants and former Bulldog players. It's a tremendous amount of respect for Mike Leach. Not just because he is the Mississippi State coach, because in many respects he is college football, the most colorful man in college football, and I had the benefit and the privilege to cover this wonderful man for three years, and to call him a friend, and I'm going to miss him. I'm absolutely going to miss him. And there's so many people that talked about all this offensive staff. You know, they're all together, and there's all the, you know, the tie that binds is Mike Leach. They wanted to work for Mike Leach. Mike gave them autonomy. They learned. They got better. You know, Mason Miller played for Mike Leach. And I understand after the news broke on Sunday, of course, we're on the practice field and Coach wasn't there and a lot of questions about where Coach was. Bracky Brett addressed the team. I'm told that the team took it about as well as could be expected. That's an important part of all this, too. We, you know, we forget sometimes there are players out there that are, are dealing with a major situation in many respects for the first time in their lives. Shortly after the team meeting broke, position coaches took their guys and their pods, and they all talked and said, hey, listen, avoid social media. You're going to see some rumors out there. It's not true. So if you don't hear it from us or from the university, don't believe it. If you got questions, contact us directly. I can only begin to imagine how difficult it is for those assistant coaches. They're caught in the middle their mentor, the man that hired them, their boss, the guy they look up to, fighting for his life. And then they, in turn, have to kind of extinguish their own grief and settle down the anxiety of your players. I had somebody ask me yesterday if we should play the ball game if Mike passed away, and I said, if that's the case, Mike Leach would be absolutely furious if we didn't play. We took 46 players to Georgia and played one of the best teams in the country because Mike Leach was a competitor. Not to mention I think these young people need each other. All of a sudden you let them go home, they're around other people and oh we need to get in the portal. you know I think while they're dealing with their own grief, they need a team. They need their coaches. they need their teammates. They need every bit of that to help work their way through this. So it's not about winning a ball game at this point point. and of course we certainly want to win. To honor Mike Leach, and of course if we win nine games, it'll be only the ninth time in school history. We won nine games or more. It'll be one of the best seasons we've ever had in the history of the program. You wouldn't know that by reading some of the message boards, but it's one of the greatest seasons we've ever had if we win the bowl game. And I think those young men deserve the opportunity to do that. They've earned this opportunity, and they deserve a chance to go out there and honor the legacy of their coach. But it's bigger than football. It's bigger than football. It's life. It's life. Mike Leach, only 61 years of age. It all just seems so incredibly unfair. But I think about the trajectory of things, and was it a perfect season? Absolutely not. Well, we've won some games. You know, there's some games we left on the table. You know, with our schedule, eight and four is about the best case scenario for many of us. But, yeah, we left some money on the table. We did. It gives us some room to improve next year. The question now becomes, you know, what do you do? You know, of course, Mississippi State now pushing towards the hire of an athletic director. And, again, this week was supposed to be the final interviews. I think now you've got to act maybe a little more expediently and get this thing wrapped up because, uh, you know, barring, you know, a Lazarus-quality miracle, you're about to go through a coaching change at Mississippi State football. Now, Zach Arnett is your acting interim coach. Is Zach the next coach? If you promote Zach, chances are you keep the roster intact. You probably keep the recruiting class intact. And you begin to think, okay, is that just a short-term solution or a long-term solution? A lot of people believe that Zach Garnett is going to be a great head coach someday anyway. Is now the time. Because if you let him get away and he goes somewhere else, you may never get him back. Or do you look at this as a situation and say, you know what, hey, we got to get somebody else. The problem with all of that, too, is there are still some jobs open And the fact that uh, a lot of the candidates that we would probably target have already been kind of picked over. You know, do you go hire Jared Banco and have him bring Clay Helton with him? I don't know. Do you go out and hire maybe a Mike Leach disciple that can kind of come in and take over so there's continuity on offense and maybe a little innovation? You know, I, I like the modern brand of the air raid where you've got the mobile quarterback that can kind of add the ground component to the offense. I think that's important. Or do you just go make a wholesale change? And again, you know what? who are you going to be able to get at this late juncture? And it's easy to say, well, you know, we're a team that can probably play, you know, $6 million a year. We're in the SEC. We're still in the SEC West until they change the divisions. And so it's a difficult decision you have to make. And so the first step in that process, of course, assuming Mike doesn't make a miraculous recovery, is you've got to go get an athletic director in place. And I think that's got to happen this week. You know, there was discussion about getting it done before Christmas. I, I think you've got to move now. You have to move now. We're going to be signing football players in nine days. You can't allow there to be any indecision. You can't allow it to be a situation where a player is thinking, hey, I want to go to Mississippi State, Running the head coach is going to be, so I think I'll go to Ole Miss or I'll go to Auburn or whatever. You can't mess around with this. You're going to have to hire an AD very soon. And then announce a coach soon thereafter. You can't allow this thing to linger and fester. And it's like, it's that's not being disrespectful to Mike Leach. Mike Leach, if anybody understands the business of college football, there's just no manual out there about what do you do when your head coach comes incapacitated ten days before national signing day in the middle of ball practice. There's no, there's no, you know, college football book for dummies that covers any of that. Mike Leach understands that we're going to be very respectful of Mike Leach and his family. You know, we're not trying to break any stories about you know him passing away. I've done the best I could to provide updates to you guys, and at the same time, be sensitive to Mike Leach's family. There's some things out there. I mean, I, I, there's some very, very, very disturbing things, you know, about kind of what. And some of it's out there now, but I was not going to be the one to put it out there. You know, coach coded. You know, there's just a lot of that stuff out there that's heartbreaking. And I just don't think everything is meant for public consumption. If other people want to report it, it's fine. I also read the Gannett article, and I don't understand what Mike Leach getting fired at Texas Tech has to do with him being sick. I think that is absolutely a ridiculous addition to an article. And I think it says a lot about Gannett on top of that. That somebody, I think, to, to quote Mike Gundy, I think the writer that wrote it is garbage, and I think the editor that put it out is garbage. Why in the world would you include that? A man is fighting for his life, who was unjustifiably terminated at Texas Tech and cheated out of millions of dollars, and you, you elect to include that in an article? It's terrible. It's poor form. Should be called out. But at some point, we're going to have to move forward. We've talked about that as a staff on jeanspage.com. What do we do? Do we go ahead and prepare a hotboard? You know, coach is still living. We don't want to go from, OK, Mike Leach has passed away. Here's your hotboard of candidates to replace him. We're going to be respectful of that. I think we have some time to put that together. We don't even have an AD yet. There's nobody to conduct interviews yet. We don't have to be in any hurry with that. We're going to be very respectful about Mike Leach. He wasn't just your football coach. He's a national treasure. And the eyes of the college football nation are on Mississippi State right now. It's very important. And, of course, we're getting some reports now. My text messages are blowing up that coach may have passed away. We felt that's just a matter of time. Maybe he has. So I'm going to wrap up the show. I'm going to go get on the message boards. We're going to try to get some things taken care of. My phone is absolutely blowing up right now but Of course it did last night too and things weren't uh, things weren't right, you know so um, but I want to say this, I love every one of you. I do and I, I want whatever is wrong in your life, I pray that God will fix it. I pray that he will give you the tools and the ability to fix it. And I want I, I want you to have the things that I want for myself in life. And I think about the things that are most important to me. Love, honor, family. I want you to have the security of knowing that the people that tell you they love you really do. I want you to have the time and the resources to be able to, to make amazing memories with your kids. At the end of the day, it's like, It's not going to be your work friends gathered around your bedside in your final moments. It's not. It's not going to be your golfing buddies. It's not going to be the girls from girls' night. It's just not. I know that's what we tell ourselves, and sometimes we prioritize those relationships over the ones that really matter the most, and I'm not saying they're not important. But let me share with you this, and I guess I'm preaching a little bit here. If your social media pictures, like if I was to go to your Facebook and your Instagram and you got more pictures with your friends than you do with your spouse and or your children, I submit to you, your priorities are wrong. I don't know what's going on in your life, but the signals you're giving off are not good ones. So let's recommit ourselves to the people that we should be committed to. And again, that's not to say that you know friendships aren't important. I've got some friends that, that are like family to me. But I know in the end, the people that bear my last name, my DNA, they're the ones whose lives are going to be damaged the most when I'm gone. They're the ones that are going to miss us the most. It's one thing that hit me years ago. Is when it gets down to a decision that I have to make. If I have to pick and choose, I'm picking the people that are going to gather around my bedside and my final moments over the ones that won't. I just am. Maybe you feel differently. That's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for your attention and so much of your support. I've had so many people reach out to me. And again, let me say this. Yes, I am very, very upset. But what I am dealing with is minuscule compared to what Mike Leach's family, to what his coaches, his friends, his players, and their families are all dealing with. Our grief is tremendous. Their grief is absolutely devastating. And so we're going to love on each other. And through that love, we're going to build an incredible amount of support for the people that are directly impacted this on a much more personal level. Let's not ever forget that it's not about us. And it's not about us and our grief, even though that's not in any way to diminish that. There is a greater grief that we don't know. And there will come a time, you know, when I lost my dad, I lost my rudder in life for a long time. And so I began to think about Mike's children and how devastating that is. And so let's love on each other. Let's consider our thoughts and prayers. And if you are not the praying type, let me ask you to make an exception and pray for Mike Leach's family. Whether you pray to God, whether you pray to nature or whatever, there is a higher power out there greater than yourself. So let's put some faith into that. I think it's important to understand that uh, while we all may have different belief systems, we all share in the same pain. And I know that this Mississippi State fan base is resilient. We always say, we've been through worse. I don't know if we have this time. I don't know if we have been through worse than this. These are dark days at Mississippi State. But I know the character of this fan base. And I have seen it play out over the course of the last 24, 36 hours. People that were very much staunch Mike Leach critics are thinking, you know what, hey, I need coach to get better. I need coach I didn't always agree with his play calling. I didn't always agree with that. But I didn't need this. And I'm very proud of all of you, with rare exception. The, the commentary about all this has just been incredibly heartwarming. And it reminds me again why well, I'm so grateful to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. And I'm so incredibly grateful that Mike Leach was a part of our journey. Until next time, it's all of live our lives and the way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.